Well, hello again. And if everything is going according to plan, it is now the year 2021. We made it. Uh, 2020 is in the history books and uh, what a ride it was. Um, this year, like the past, I don't know how many years, the Brethren in Christ denomination is once again starting the year, the calendar year, with a week of prayer and fasting. And this is the Sunday that kicks that off, January 3rd, and it will go through next Sunday. Uh, devotional has been prepared. A theme has been prepared a few months ago. And uh, as you might expect, it fits with the year of 2020 when things don't go according to plans. And so the devotionals that are going to be available to you all week are built around that theme when things don't go according to plan. And if you've lived very long at all, you know that things don't always go according to plan. Still, it's good to plan, but things don't always turn out the way we expected. Some years ago, I learned a phrase and a bit of a lesson from a young man who was doing some work for me as an excavator. And I had a few trees that I wanted to take out because they were close to my house. And I was concerned that if the storm came along or the trees rotted, they were gonna fall on the house. And so while he was here doing some other work and he had a, a big uh, cat machine, a dozer with a nice big clamshell bucket on it. And I said to him, I'd like to take those trees out. So how about if you get up there on the side of that hill and push against the first tree and while you push, I'll chainsaw it off and we'll make sure that it falls away from the house. And then uh, we'll do the same with the second tree. So he was a little bit reluctant, uh, a bit hesitant. And he told me, he said, I, I do know a man that will do this for you professionally. Of course, he'll charge you for that one job, what I'm gonna charge you for all day. I said, I know that and it's not a requirement. I'm just asking, will you do this? And, and we'll do this thing. And he said, okay. Uh, he said, if it goes according to plan, I should be able to push the first one and the first one will fall into the second one. We'll just push them both right out of the ground and, and push them down away from the house. And it was a good plan. And so he started and he pushed into the first tree and the first tree, the root ball was coming up out of the ground and the tree was starting to topple forward. It went into the second tree. The second tree started to push forward and its roots were coming up out of the ground when all of a sudden the first tree, the top half of it broke off crashed down on the top of his machine. Uh, he had a cab, fortunately, and it just mangled metal uh, and he shut the dozer down, crawled out the other side of it, and he walked down and joined me at the bottom of the hill. And he looked and sized the situation up and I felt terrible, uh, but he, he sized up the situation. He looked and he said, now there's a possibility we hadn't considered because things didn't go the way we planned. And as I said, it's still good to plan. And things that disrupt our lives, the, the changes that come, uh, they're at all sorts of levels under all kinds of conditions. Sometimes they're on a global scale and span the entire world. And other times uh, they're closer in. They might be family issues. They might be individual personal issues. Hard to tell. But changes occur. Things don't go according to plan. And so if you want to think about something on a global scale, think back a couple of hundred years, how the printing press changed the world and how suddenly it happened that for thousands of years up to that point, everything had to be handwritten, scribbled over and over again, and scraps would do that. And, and suddenly now you can mass produce 
publications and get information circulated on a much, much more rapid basis, it, it changed the world. It's one of the things that folks look back at and say, this was revolutionary. Think about things that have happened perhaps nationally in our lifetime. They say that there are certain events that if you live through them, you'll never forget them. One of those was Pearl Harbor, the day that the harbor in Hawaii was bombed by the Japanese and kicked the United States into World War II. Everybody who lived through that recalled where they were when they got the word that that had happened. In my lifetime, uh, I came on the scene just shortly after, yeah, before, shortly before the assassination of John Kennedy, the president, and everybody I know uh, who was on the earth at that time remembers where they were when they heard that Kennedy had been shot. And then more into my, my time and uh, my experience of memory, I, I remember certain things very distinctly where I was. I remember where I was when the space shuttle Challenger blew up. I remember where I was when the Twin Towers in New York City uh, were struck by the aircraft and, and fell. I remember. And um, I also remember, you know, some good things. It's, it's not always tragic things. I remember the day I got married. I walked in the church, a single guy, and I walked out a married guy. It wasn't like we hadn't planned for it, but you know something? It's true of my wedding and marriage, and it's true of every wedding that I've ever performed as a minister. The thing is, is that no matter how carefully you plan, no matter how much you orchestrate, something always goes wrong. You better be prepared. Um, tell you what, let's think about that uh, for a second. How do you prepare for those possibilities we haven't considered? How do you prepare and be ready for things that don't turn out the way that you plan? Well, basically you live ready. Back in 1995, I prepared a sermon and it was simply called Suddenly. And it resonated with a lot of people. It, it had great impact. And the theme was life changes suddenly, be prepared. Then a few years later in 2001, I brought that sermon out of the files and I preached it again. I preached it again in September, uh, right after the 9-11 attacks that following Sunday, uh, the 16th, I believe it was, I preached, life changes suddenly, be prepared. The un unexpected happens. And the, the basis of it goes like this. Sometimes the things that we do create the change. Sometimes the things that other people do create the change. Sometimes God creates the change and it's part of his plan and his choice. And sometimes it's the devil. And God permits it and allows him to, to change. And I have Bible stories that represent each one of these type of conditions. Uh, but again, let me reiterate, be prepared. Be prepared. And how do we prepare? And I'm, I'm going to take these examples and use them of ways that we can we can be prepared. Let me read a text for you, though. Uh, this comes from Romans chapter 13, which is a chapter in the church that's kind of well known for its what it says to government. But toward the end of the chapter, it just talks to believers and gives us 
this admonition, this is what Paul says to the, the church in Rome. He said, owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. That's a, that's a strong statement in itself, isn't it? I mean, owe nothing. Don't have outstanding debts. Don't live life in such a way that you're basically a slave to the lender. Uh, owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does, does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Do this knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now, salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. The scripture says in Jesus' teaching in the Gospel of Luke, it will be good if for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. Life changes suddenly. Be prepared. One of the things is get out of the enemy's lap. Don't be tinkering, tampering, playing around with the devil or the devil's ways. Or as Paul says, make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Samson was a man set apart from birth. He had received a commission anointing. His, his birth was miraculous. And his mother was given a mandate from heaven about how he was supposed to be raised, how she was going to handle her little bundle of joy. Her baby had a God-given destiny. She didn't drink anything fermented. She didn't eat anything unclean. The whole time that she carried him, he was blessed with strength and intelligence. He could tear a lion apart with his bare hands. He could pull off the city gates and carry them on his shoulders. He could kill thousands of men using nothing more than a donkey's jaw. He could catch 300 foxes and tie them in pairs. But you know what Samson could not do? Samson could not control his flesh. He made a habit of falling asleep in the lap of the enemy. And one day he woke up with a haircut and life was different. Radically different. Today is the day of harvest, yet many of God's workers are asleep. They're asleep in the enemy's lap, playing around with the enemy. Rather than fleeing from temptation, many are entertaining it and being entertained by it. It's time for us to get as far away as we can, not see how long we can go on or see how close we can get before it destroys us. It's time for us to identify sin for what sin is and its destructive properties. It kills and get away from it. If God said that something's wrong, it's wrong. Know that it's wrong and flee. Expect God to show up. You know, Samson made choices. They were his choices by and large. And uh, he paid consequences during his lifetime for that. But what about the man Saul? The, the man Saul was born also with a destiny. He was both a Jew and a Roman. He was a man prepared. He was trained by the best. 
He was religiously, legally faultless, focused. He had a passion for God. He had a position. He had persistence. Uh, he was a man with a plan. And he was working for God on his way to fulfill the, the plan that he had when his plans were changed by God for God's purposes. So in a blinding flash, he met Jesus and his whole world turned upside down. Everything that, that Saul thought was up, he learned was down. Everything that he thought was in was actually out. And that's the kind of transformation Jesus brings us through. And, and so when God shows up, we're gonna get wide awake. Things are gonna change. And that, that's what happened to Saul and he became Paul. And then he really did go to work for God uh, fulfilling every moment, filling every moment, living every moment, aware that God was watching and, and that what he was doing, he was doing, and he knew he was on the right track because he was doing it for the Lord. Um, the man Job, you know, here's, I talked about Samson, he made his own choices. And Saul, God chose for him. He, God even said uh, through the prophet, this man is my chosen instrument. And then there's Job. A conversation apparently takes place in heaven where God puts it in front of Satan and says, where you been? And Satan says, I've been going to and fro throughout the earth. And he says, have you seen Job? Oh, yeah, I've seen Job. It's no wonder Job's your servant, because after all, you've blessed him. Look at what Job has. You've, you've made him rich. He has 10 beautiful children, seven sons and three daughters. He owns the largest ranch in all the land. He has more stuff than anybody else. And God said, uh-huh. And he fears me and he's blameless. And then in one day with God's permission, the devil snatched all that away, wiped it out. The Sabaeans came and stole Job's oxen and donkeys. His servants were killed. The other sheep and servants were burned up by fire from the sky. The Chaldeans killed more servants and took the camels. All of Job's children were killed in a house collapse. On another day, Job was hit with painful boils from the soles of his feet to the tops of his head. And keep in mind, he was a blameless, righteous man. Don't wrap your hands and your heart too tightly around things that can disappear. Living prepared means ready to go. Traveling light, not carrying a lot of baggage. And honestly, me, my fellow Americans, we live in a land of prosperity, and, and this one can be a tough one. It's easy for us to get attached. And in many cases, loving one another, it's easy for us to get attached to people, to those that are close in, to those that are not so close in. It's easy for us to get attached to, to things, just this life that we know. But always remember, always remember as you handle it, as you deal with it, it can be gone in an instant. It's all destined to pass away, except for the souls, the people. Investing in people, like we read in Romans chapter 13, love one another. You're not gonna go wrong by loving people, by doing the loving thing, by giving yourself away, even sacrificially. It helps us to live free. It helps us to not owe anything to anyone. It helps us if we live with our hearts and our minds set on eternity. Job, um, in the end, God restores all that he took. And when he does it, allow me just to point out one, one insight that I gleaned in a Sunday school class in a conference several years ago. 
and it intrigued me so much. I've never forgotten it. When God restored back to Job all that had been taken by the devil, he made a double portion of everything. He had twice as many of everything except children. And it was brought up in the Sunday school class. The, the question was asked, why? Why did Job receive back a double portion of everything except children? Well, the answer is, as near as I agree with and, and can tell, he, he didn't receive a double portion back because he never lost, truly lost the first portion. That if we believe that God saves us and redeems us, and he's the redeemer and the restorer, then those children of Job's are alive in the presence of God. And that through Jesus Christ, because no one comes there except through Jesus. And I'm not here to explain theologically or systematically how I think all that works. Just know that it is. And that's a hope to live for. That's something that ought to move us through the times that seem debilitating. Heaven and earth may pass away. The word of God's not going to pass away. And the souls of men are eternal. And in that, when we love and we're in bonds of love with God and one another, you can't steal that. You can't take that. It's treasure in heaven that can never be uh, taken away. <clears throat> Let me give you one more illustration. And this is how our lives can change suddenly, not by our choice or God's necessarily or the devil's, but just by the will of other people. Joshua and Caleb were unique among men in that they had a different spirit. They had a different level of faith. And as you recall the story of the Israelite captivity in Egypt and God's delivering his people out of Egypt by the hand of Moses, uh, early on coming out of Egypt, they had an opportunity to scout the, the promised land. And Moses dispatched the spies and they went into Canaan. And when they came back, oh, what a story they had to tell. The, the produce of the land, it's milk and honey. It is a lovely place. And every day in Canaan is a lovely day. Ain't that right, Grandma? It's a lovely day. Abundance, abundance, abundance. One problem. Giants. There are giants in the land. And most of the spies said, we were grasshoppers in our own eyes. We can't go in there. It's what a shame. What a shame. It's so abundant. It's so lush. It's so beautiful. It's such but we can't go there. Except Joshua and Caleb who said, yes, we can. God's given it to us. Let's not let the giant stand in our way. Let's go get it. Now that riled the folks up so much that they were ready to kill those guys for saying that, making that statement of faith. And so their lives were altered in that moment because God came and stepped in, as you know, and that entire generation wandered through the wilderness for 40 years before the Israelites went and crossed the Jordan and went into the promised land. And amongst that generation, Joshua and Caleb walked the desert with everybody else, walked the wilderness, and it wasn't their fault. They were right. They lost the popular vote and they walked the wilderness along with everybody else. Sometimes there are things that seem terribly unfair to us. We see things through our eyes and we need to look through God's eyes and eyes of faith. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness of it. And so if God chooses and renders a decision, he's the judge. 
That's his to make. It's his call. It's his world. It's his universe. We're his. And who am I to tell him he's right or wrong? See, Job tried that. Uh, I, I don't know that Joshua or Caleb ever tried that, but you're going to lose that contest. To be ready for change is to recognize God has a right to reign and rule, and he's, he's the one who restores and wait on him. If it takes 40 years of desert walking, wait on him. You know, you get to the end of that journey, and if you read the story out, Caleb goes up to Joshua, who's now replaced Moses, and, and he says, okay, we've taken the land. We have, except the portion that was given to me, and I'm 80 years old now, and I want to go get it. Go. Get it. It's yours. Take it. You've had to wait long and hot for it, but go get it, which you did. Life changes suddenly. Be prepared. Remain focused. Remain faithful. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Prepare to be an overcomer. Regardless of who the agent is or how change comes or is affected, those changes are always going to be sudden. Even if it's something that you've laid plans for ahead of time, you've been counting on this, you, you have the details in order, just be aware that something's going to go wrong. Earlier, I mentioned about the weddings and uh, doing weddings, and I've, I've pretty much told brides especially, but told couples, just be prepared that something you've planned isn't going to go right. It'll be okay. You're going to come away married. And, you know, even that's a statement of faith. I'd have to tell you that in my life's experience, that hasn't necessarily always been the case either. I did have one guy one time who took off and ran away uh, right before the wedding. And that, that was devastating. Uh, we weren't planning for that. But living in, in God's presence, God works it out and, and takes care of it. Uh, don't be devastated. Don't collapse, shrivel up, crawl in a hole. Um, there, there are other stories and illustrations I could give, but, you know, um, just be aware that God has called us to bloom where we're planted and keep doing what you're doing. Keep investing. Uh, don't panic. Just do what you've been called to do, where you've been called to do it. And operate in that peace and in that confidence that all these things are destined to pass away. But the word of God will never pass away. It stands forever. Um, in light of the events of 2020 and the year that we are emerging from, it's a good time to take stock. Um, really sift through the who we are, why we're here, what it means to be part of the body of Christ, what it means to gather and worship, uh, what things we ought to be holding loosely, what things we ought to be gathering tightly, uh, how to be good stewards. And that's one of my regular prayers is, God, you've given us, you've blessed us, make us good stewards of all of your grace. Help us for our part to prove faithful. And so allow me to pray for us, Allegheny Conference, that we'll do just that and that we will be together 
all that God has called us to be as his body, his bride. Father, I thank you today, right here and right now, for your plans, your plans. And I ask that you would align us with your plans, with your will, that you would establish us on the earth as your salt and light, that we would shine brightly and illuminate and uh, clarify, that we would warm, and as salt that we would purify and that we would be the flavoring um, that as you fill us with your spirit and, and your oil and we burn that we would be the fragrance of Christ in the world. Help us to discern the times and understand and help us to pursue you continuously and be prepared for when things don't turn out like we've planned. Just knowing that you and your plans will prevail and that in the end, like Samson, we will overcome. And like Paul, we will be on the mission and accomplish the mission. And like Job, you will restore to us whatever the enemy may have stolen and, and bless it beyond a couple times. And like Joshua and Caleb, that by your hand and in your power, you will bring us into your promise and uh, complete the work that you've begun in us. So as we take one step at a time through whatever comes today, tomorrow, or on into the future, we do so with confidence and in the peace of knowing that you, oh God, have the entire universe, including us, in your hands and well under control. Nations will come and go, Leaders will rise and fall, but the King of Kings rules and reigns forever. This we know. Burn it into our hearts, Lord, and into our minds, and make us good stewards. Shape us and mold us and conform us into your likeness, and may we give you a good report. I pray that we walk by faith and not by sight, and that we will be yours as you've designed us and intended us to be pleasing in your sight, a bride of yours belonging only to you, washed by the water of your word, a people, your people, your household, your priesthood, yours, yours, O God. We surrender to that and submit to that and give ourselves into your hands. May your kingdom come and your will be done throughout this year. And I, that we would be strengthened and that we would be unified and holy and loving just as you've decreed and declared and desired us to be. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. May you have a wonderful, God-filled day, week, month, new year, and eternity.